Thank you, choir. That was tremendous. Helen Keller said, life is either an adventure or nothing. William Trogdon said, there are two kinds of adventurers, those who go truly hoping to find an adventure and those who go secretly hoping they won't find an adventure. And of course, the great theologian Yogi Berra said, when you come to a fork in the road, take it. The people of God had come to a fork in the road in their spiritual journey. Maybe that's where you feel like you are this morning. Maybe you are at a a critical deciding point or a critical juncture in your spiritual journey. But the people of God had rebelled, and and, uh, because of their rebellion against God, their fear of moving forward, they wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. They were not willing to trust God. They were not willing to, to enter the promised land. They would not cross over into a new adventure. Forty years later, God gave them another opportunity to go forward and to claim the land promised to them. Forty years later, now under Joshua's leadership, the Israelites had to decide, will we step forward and venture into a new land, a land of unknowns, a land of new challenges, or will we stand still and continue to fail to trust God, as did our fathers? In that moment, God gave Joshua the charge to go forward. The charge to cross over. A stirring challenge to go forward. Graduates, at this moment, God in this moment gives you a stirring challenge to go forward. To walk into new adventures. To claim new land. To write a new chapter. As you follow His leadership. Even if we graduated a long time ago, which uh, pertains to a lot of us this morning. God does not want us to stand still in our spiritual journey, does He? Either we're moving forward or we're slipping backwards. So we too need to heed this call, need to to, uh, let this challenge stir us this morning, the challenge to go forward. How do we do so? Well, as we look at this charge this morning, I invite you to turn to the book of Joshua. We're going to be in Joshua chapter 1. We're also going to be in Joshua chapter uh, 24. In just a few moments, as we look at the challenge, the charge to go forward, we hear these words of God given to Joshua. Joshua had the tremendous responsibility and the tremendous challenge of stepping up behind Moses and to lead God's people to new heights. And here's what God said to Joshua. Be strong and of good courage, for for to this people you shall divide as an inheritance the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous that you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may prosper, that you may find success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then... You will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid, nor be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. And then in chapter 24, verses 14 and 15, we read, Now therefore, fear the Lord, serve Him in sincerity and in truth, and put away the gods which your fathers served on the other side of the river and in Egypt. Serve the Lord. 
And if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the river, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, Joshua said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. What do we see here? First of all, go forward with strength and courage. Go forward with strength and courage. Apparently, fear was a threat to their moving forward. Fear was on the horizon. There was hesitation instead of unwavering confidence in God's resources and God's leadership. Twice, God tells Joshua to be strong and courageous. He repeats it. Be strong and courageous. Maybe some of us need to hear that this morning. Be strong and and courageous. Then he comes back to this command again in verse 9. Have I not commanded you, Joshua? Are you not listening to me? Let me reinforce this. Let me repeat it one more time. Be strong and of good courage. He reinforces the importance of living a life that exercises confidence in God and faith in God instead of fear. Exercising courage over fear. Now fear is part of living life in an evil world. God wired us. Sometimes fear is the appropriate response. And uh, it's a protective measure if we run from danger or flee from evil. But uh, a lot of times unmanaged fear keeps us from being all God wants us to be. God wants us to choose faith over fear. To be people of faith who walk by faith and, and, uh, instead of fearing. Dennis the Menace told his mom, It's not the dark I'm afraid of. It's the stuff in the dark I can't see. We all have stuff in the dark we can't see, don't we? We have to live with that. We have to know how to manage that. We have those pestering fears. Those fears which may or may not have grounds. Those fears that may be unfounded. Those pestering fears like, I wonder if I'll enjoy this new job. Or should I just stay where I'm comfortable and I know how things are going to work out? I wonder what the next course is going to be like as I continue my education? Am I going to be able to to handle it? I wonder uh, how how this is going to work out or that's going to work out. What if people don't like me? Those pestering fears that we all have to work through. And then we have those paralyzing fears. These are the ones that eat our lunch. These are the ones that are First on the forefront of our minds when we wake up in the middle of the night and we can't get back to sleep. These are the ones that, uh, that, that paralyze us and keep us from moving forward in our, our faith. They rob us of sleep. They rob us of joy. They stay on our minds. They wreck our effectiveness as a believer trying to walk by faith. And then we have those pressing fears. These are pressing concerns that uh, maybe they're legitimate Concerns. A lot of times we're concerned about our children or we're concerned about a lost relative. That's a legitimate concern. Uh, but, but sometimes they, they divide our attention and, and can distract us from moving forward in faith and, and uh, moving forward with courage if, if they become a distraction instead of a, a prayer concern. Some people fear the future. There is an actual condition called anticipatory anxiety in which we have constant fear and worry about bad things that could happen. Usually focusing on things that we can't predict, or usually focusing on things that are totally out of our control. And to the extreme, if we have this condition, 
There are physical effects like insomnia, but there are also spiritual effects because as Jesus warns us in the Sermon on the Mount, unchecked worry divides our focus, dilutes our faith, and adds nothing to our quality of life. Which of you by worrying can add one stature, one cubic to, uh, to your life? As Corey Ten Boom observed, worry does not empty tomorrow of its sorrows, it empties today of its strength. So choose faith over fear as we choose to go forward watching God and, and focusing on God and, and, and walking in His leadership, moving forward in God-given courage. There's a ton of stuff we don't know. That's part of the adventure as we trust God day by day. So we keep our eyes on Him and we focus on Him and we walk by faith instead of by sight, taking it one day at a time. Listen, we may not know what's ahead, but God knows what's ahead. He's brought us this far. He's used all the experiences we've had in our past to prepare us for this juncture, this critical moment. And He's got a great plan for your life. So ask yourself, are you living in God's courage or are you living in fear? Are you living in in, uh, God's strength or are you trying to do life in your own strength? God's strength and courage help us to step into the unknown. And so keep moving forward. But not only that, second, go forward with a clear focus. As you look at verse 7, only be strong and very courageous that you may observe to do all according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded you. Do not turn from it to the, to the right hand or to the left hand. We live with so many things pulling at us, don't we? Filling up our time, pulling at our energy, pulling at our pocketbook, pulling at our, our focus. There's only so many hours in the day. Um, so many things pulling us, wanting our time and attention. Joshua knew they were entering a land where the people worshipped false gods, where the people worshipped idols, other gods. He knew they would face great opposition. It wasn't going to be an easy task to cross the river and finally conquer the land under God's leadership. God had given them direction. But it was possible for the enemies to sidetrack them. It was possible for false religions to sidetrack them. For other gods to distract them. God said, don't let distractions keep you from following me wholeheartedly. Don't let distractions pull your focus away from following my word and my way, God says. Keep your focus on me. Keep your focus on my word. Do not turn your focus away from my word. When you go forward with a clear focus on the right foundation, you will have success. But you've got to build your life on the right foundation. On the right foundation of the right person, that's the Lord Jesus Christ. On the right foundation of the right counsel, that's the word of God. On the right foundation of the right wisdom, that's the word of God. That's how we build our lives. Someone said there are three ways to waste a life. Do nothing. Do the wrong thing. Or do so many things that what we do try to do is unaffected because we've spread ourselves out too thin. Thomas Carlyle compared people to ships. About 95% can be compared to ships without rudders. 
They're subject to every shift of wind and tide. They are hopelessly adrift, just bouncing here, bouncing there. They hope one day they'll drift into a rich, successful port, but usually they run aground on the rocks. Only 5% take the time to chart their course and have a clear direction. They set goals. They want to honor the Lord. They make a commitment to the Lord. They are determined to take the necessary steps to, to reach those goals, whatever price it may take personally. They sometimes have to overcome obstacles, but they look at obstacles as growing pains. They grow through these tough times. And they aren't afraid of hard work. How would you describe your life? Rudderless? Or on a God-set God-directed course that honors the Lord where God is, is leading in your life. Third, go forward grounded in God's Word. Go forward grounded in God's Word. This book of the law refers to all of the Word of God that the Israelites had at this time. What did God tell Joshua to do with the Word of God? Certainly expected God to, uh, Joshua to, to read His Word, to be familiar with His Word. But what else did He say? Look at verse 8. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but ye shall meditate in it day and night, that ye may observe to do according to all that is written. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. I commend you for taking time to open God's Word and read God's Word daily. Those of you who are doing that. I commend those of you who take time to, to, out of your schedule to incorporate the 1110 Grow Group Hour into your weekly schedule. Just the flow of your week. Here comes Sunday. It's just natural for us to be in worship together at 10 o'clock. It's just natural for us to be in our Grow Group Bible study time at 1110. I, I commend you. I commend you for opening God's Word on a regular basis. But what did, he, what did he say to Joshua? You need to do more than that. What else do we need to do? In verse 8 it says to keep it on your lips. Keep it on your lips. Let it, let it not um, always... It shall not depart from your mouth. In other words, keep it on your lips. Talk about it. Speak it. Pray Scripture. Use it. Keep it in your thoughts. Keep it on your lips. Keep it in your thoughts. Meditate on what you're reading. God, what does this mean to me for today? God, what are you trying to teach me? What's one principle I can get out of this passage that I just read? So yes, read it, but do more with it. Absorb it into your mind. Absorb it into your thoughts. What does, what does that principle look like? What does that concept look like? What does God's Word say about this situation? What guidance or direction does God's Word give on this topic? God's Word should, should shape our lives, should fill our lives, should fill our minds. And then, bottom line, keep it. Do it. Be not hearers of the Word only, but be doers of the Word, not hearers only. Obey God's Word. Don't just read it, talk about it, think about it. Do God's Word. God's Word should not only fill our lives, but also shape our lives. So obey God's Word. God always knows what He's talking about. If we would just listen, obey, 
and apply God's Word, then our way will be prosperous. And whatever, chart, whatever course He's taken us on, we'll find success. We'll find spiritual success. We'll, we'll be successful because we're pleasing God. We'll have good success. Now listen, if you're not already doing this on a daily basis, graduates, make a commitment today in this graduate recognition ceremony where you've been recognized, you've been applauded, you've been prayed over, you are loved, we're interested in you, we're continuing to pour into you as a church family, we're continuing to pray for you. But if you're not doing this, make a commitment today to start the practice of reading and studying and taking into your life God's Word every day. Read a passage from the Old Testament. Read a passage from the New Testament. Read through the Gospels. Read a devotional or two to supplement what you're reading from God's Word. Memorize a verse every week or every month. Scriptural intake is so important to your spiritual vibrancy and to your success as a growing believer. Greg Laurie, the California pastor I told you about recently, wrote, I've never met a Christian who was failing spiritually and was also studying the Bible diligently. That's how important the two are together. Your spiritual growth and your diligent Bible study. He, he continues, That is because success or failure in the Christian life depends on how much of the Bible we get into our hearts and minds on a daily basis and how obedient we are to it. Billy Sunday, one of the greatest evangel evangelists of his generation, was talking about when he came to Christ. He was a baby Christian. And an older believer took him under his wing for a while and poured into him. And, and this older Christian gave him this advice. Take 15 minutes each day to let God talk to you. Then take 15 minutes each day to talk to God. Then spend 15 minutes each day telling others about the Savior. He said to Billy Sunday, if you will do these three things, no one would ever write the word backslider after your name. There's no way that we'll slide backwards in our spiritual walk if we'll be faithful to those three he was saying. Don't discount the power and the necessity of spending time in God's Word and taking in God's Word into your life on a daily basis to keep your life on track and to, and to help you go forward. How much time and priority are you spending in God's Word? What kind of priority are you making God's Word? And how much of it are you putting into your life, in, into your family's life? Fourth, go forward with the certainty of God's presence. What's he say at the end of verse 9? Do not be afraid. Do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. God calls Joshua to boldness. He calls Joshua to have courage. And he reminds Joshua that he must go forward, not in his own strength, not in his own courage, but in God's strength and in God's Courage. Now remember, this is God speaking to Joshua as he was about to take on this challenge of crossing over and going into the promised land. But it's also this morning, folks, God speaking to us. God repeats His command in verse 7 and then in verse 9 He states, Do not be afraid, do not be dismayed. Listen, even leaders are tempted to give up from time to time. 
Even leaders can fall into discouragement. As important as self-confidence is, God calls us to have God-confidence. And God wants us to have full confidence in Him, in His attributes, in His promises, in His power, in His Word, because He's faithful. How can we have such confidence? How can we shun fear? Why are we able to go forward in God's strength and with with God-given courage? Because, look at verse 9, the Lord God is with you wherever you go. That's why you can have courage. That's why you can, can have confidence. Graduates, as you go forward into your next step, as you enter your new chapter, God goes with you. He not only goes with you, He goes before you to pave the way and to prepare the way. I read about a young man who got a job in California. And he had to relocate so quickly from Michigan that he had to fly out to start his job. And so his grandmother, bless her heart, she's in her mid-70s, she, she offered to drive his pickup truck from Michigan to California and then to fly back so he would have his truck. We'll talk about an adventure. Well, the day before she left, the grandmother broke her left wrist. Had to have a cast put on her arm. And even though she had never driven that far, she insisted on making the trip. And she, she plotted out her trip and, and thought through uh, how many miles a day she could make. And, and, and she started off. It was a tough trip. The truck was a stick shift. And uh, she had a hard time shifting the gears. She was so nervous that she seldom drove over 60 miles an hour. You've come up behind those drivers on the interstate, haven't you? Like, get out of my way. You're holding me up. You're going to get run over. She cringed with fear every time an 18-wheeler came up on her and passed her. After several days of driving, she pulled into a rest stop in in, uh, West Texas to take a small nap. After her nap, she stopped at a truck stop to get some coffee. And as she was leaving the coffee shop, a stranger walked up to her and said, Ma'am, are you driving a white GMC pickup with a Michigan tag? Well, obviously she was apprehensive to answer this question, but she, uh, she did reluctantly answer the question, and the man said, just a minute. And he stepped outside and called somebody on his cell phone. When he finished, he explained that a trucker had reported seeing an older lady with a cast on her arm, having a really difficult time, driving too slowly. The truckers named her Granny. And they started watching for her in case she needed assistance. As one trucker passed her, another behind her would take up the watch, and they just kind of passed her on as they stayed in touch with each other. They reported what motel she stayed in. They reported when she stopped for lunch. They kept up with her location. He explained, We lost you when you pulled off at the rest stop. We were about to call the state patrol. When I saw your truck, I just wanted to make sure it was you. I wanted to make sure you were okay. So I just called this fellow trucker to say you were okay so he could radio the other truckers to let them know that you were okay. This lady had no idea. She'd been driving for days. She'd been driving all those miles across the country. She had no idea that someone, several someones, cared enough to watch out for her, to watch for her welfare. The rest of the trip was so much easier when she realized she wasn't in this by herself. She was not alone. Listen, folks, we are not in this by ourselves. Aren't you so thankful for that? God promises His presence wherever we go. God promises His presence. He will never leave us nor forsake you. How does does living in the presence of God impact your life? 
each day. How does living in the reality of God's presence influence your decisions? Influence your direction? Fifth, go forward with rock-solid commitment. As we turn to Joshua chapter 24. When we come to this chapter, the conquest is completed. The enemies have been conquered. The land has been taken. And now Joshua calls for the Israelites to drive a stake in the ground. That's what God calls us to do this morning. Why is that? Because they had choices. And so do we have choices. And then our choices are important to God. Are we going to, are we going to go with God or are we going to go with the world? Are we going to follow God's leadership or are we going to do our own thing outside of God? Are we going to run with God or are we going to run with the crowd? Are we going to live God's way or are we going to give in to peer pressure? Are we going to please God with our lives or are we going to give in to, to a godless culture? Life is full of choices. We have to make choices every day. We make our choices and then our choices make us. And what is the ultimate choice that we must make? What is the ultimate choice in our life? Our college major? Which college or route are we going to take after graduation? Our career path? Whom are we going to marry? These are all important life-impacting choices. But our most important choice in life is what will we do with God and what will we do with His Son, Jesus Christ? In chapter 24, an elderly Joshua gathers the entire nation, all of God's people at Shechem. The land is conquered and settled now. He reminds them. He says, think back over this experience. Think back over all that God has done for you in your life. He reminds them of everything God has done through the years. He reminds them of how God provided for them, how God cared for them, how God went ahead of them. And now, in the face of many choices, He challenges them to choose and follow and serve God. Joshua knows he is one step and one breath from eternity. He knows he will leave this earth any minute. And he sounds a call to renewal that begins with remembering what God has done for them. Pick it up in 24, verse 1. Then Joshua gathered all the tribes of Israel to Shechem and called for the elders of Israel, for their heads, for their judges, and for their officers. And they presented themselves before God. And Joshua said to all the people, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, Your fathers, including Terah, the father of Abraham. And he goes on and lists all of their ancestors. Then I took your father, verse 3, Abraham, from the other side of the river, led him throughout all the land of Canaan and multiplied his descendants and gave him Isaac. To Isaac I gave Jacob and Esau. To Esau I gave the mountain of Seir to possess. But Jacob and his children went down to, to Egypt. Also I sent Moses to Aaron and I plagued Egypt. He, he walks through everything he did to get the Israelites to this point. And I brought you, verse 8, into the land of the Amorites who dwelt on the other side of the Jordan. They fought with you, and I gave them into your hand that you might possess their land, and I destroyed them from before you. And he talks about work after work after work after work. He says in verse 12, I sent the hornet before you, which drove them out from before you. Also the two kings of the Amorites, 
but not with your sword or with your bow. I have given you a land for which you did not labor, cities which you did not build, and you dwell in them. You eat of the vineyards and the olive groves which you did not plant. Think about your life for just a moment. What has God faithfully done in your life? However many years are represented in these pews this morning, think back of all God has done for you. That's what he's saying to these guys at this critical juncture. What has God done? He climaxes his speech about thinking about what God has done with a call to rock-solid commitment. Look at verse 14. Now therefore, in light of all God has done for you, in light of the many blessings He's given to you, fear the Lord, serve Him in sincerity and in truth, and put away the gods which your fathers served on the other side of the river and in Egypt. Serve the Lord. And if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Amen. Will you make that choice this morning? Will you make that commitment this morning? Will you drive that stake in the ground this morning? What should be our response to all He has done? Joshua says, fear Him. Remember, we talked about fearing the Lord last week. Fearing the Lord simply means, simply put, fearing the Lord means having such a deep respect and reverence for God that we want to please Him and honor Him in all we say and do. Because we fear God, we want to serve Him in sincerity and in truth. Because we fear God, we want to avoid and put away gods that compete with the one true God. Because God tolerates no rivals. Because we fear God, we choose daily to serve God, to give ultimate allegiance to God. Because we fear God, we will lead our household to choose to serve God exclusively. The English uses a future tense here, but Hebrew grammar has a fuller meaning. Joshua is affirming, I have chosen in the past that I will serve the Lord, and I will continue to choose to serve the Lord. That's what he's saying there. That's a great choice for all of us today. Because I fear the Lord, I will choose to serve the Lord daily. What will your choice be today? The most impactful question I can ask you is, what are you going to do with Jesus? Have you received Him as your Savior? Do you realize your need for Him? We want to talk to you about that this morning. If you have not yet decided to receive Jesus Christ as Savior, today can be your day of decision. We want you to come to Jesus. We want you to know for sure that you have eternal life. Maybe you've accepted Christ, but you haven't followed through in baptism by immersion as a step of obedience. Let's talk about that this morning. Or possibly God is leading you to move membership into the life of this church. That's an important spiritual decision also. Will you make that choice today, that choice of obedience? Graduates, what specifically has God spoken to you about in this message as you think about your future and your decision to follow Him today? Father, we give You thanks for the many ways that You bless us. And now, Lord, we pray that we will be a blessing to You by choosing to obey You And especially if there's one who doesn't know Jesus Christ as Savior by choosing to follow Jesus and receive the free gift of eternal life. We thank you, Lord, for this opportunity to make decisions every week. 
In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.